me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now time for children's Bible hour. My In a time of growing isolation and individualism, we are reminded of how important it is to stay connected to God and to each other. Jesus gave us a meaningful metaphor to help make the point. I am the vine and you are the branches, Jesus declared. Jesus calls us into a life of connection before production, a life rooted in genuine love, a life that yields fruit that lasts as we abide in him. You in our connected series. If you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 15. We're going to start there and we'll go to some other places, but we're going to kind of camp out there for a moment. John chapter 15. Before we get to the message, though, let me just tell you what's happening next Sunday. Probably a lot of things happening. I know for one, marriage encounter. So many couples will be up in Tulsa for that weekend. But if you're not going on marriage encounter, please be sure and be here next Sunday as we have a guest speaker, Rob Long. We're going to focus on the ministry of Hope for Haiti's Children, a ministry that is near and dear to many of our hearts. Certainly our primetime class and the Pathfinders class have a very special connection to Rob and to Haiti. And as you know, that is a difficult area of the world. There's a lot of corruption, there's a lot of poverty, and yet God continues to make inroads through the gospel being shared. And we want to be a part of that, and we are a part of that. We have a missionary there we support Hope for Haiti's Children there. So we want to talk about that next Sunday. We want you to know more about that. Rob will be preaching in our Connected series. And then after second service, they are hosting a luncheon for anyone who wants to come. And I hope that you will consider being there. The lunch is free, but you do need to sign up so they know how many to prepare for. And I'm told it's going to be a, an authentic Haitian lunch. And, and honestly, I don't know what that means. My guess is, and I've been told maybe some rice and some beans and some other things, but I've also been told it's going to be really good. So I know the food will be good. Even more than that, I know the message will be good. What is shared will be good. And so today is the deadline to sign up for lunch. So please uh, consider being a part of that lunch next Sunday. Again, Rob will be preaching for us. Many of us know Rob. He was actually on staff here uh, for several years as our young adults minister back in the day, and now he works with Hope for Haiti's Children. So that'll be a blessing. Be sure to be here next Sunday. Well, one of the summers of my high school years, I worked for our local newspaper, the Greenville Herald Banner. And that was before everything was done on computers. I mean, we had computers. I'm not that old, but before everything was done on computers. And so my job was to take the printed articles, to cut them out, to put this waxy glue stuff on the back of them, and then to actually put them on the big page where they belonged and build the actual newspaper page. And then that mock-up was used as a master to print off the pages of the newspaper. And so this one particular night, because I always went in at night for the next morning's newspaper, I went in and I was cutting out an article. And I remember it clearly. I had a metal ruler in my left hand, and I had it flat on the article. And in my right hand, I had a utility knife. We call them exacto knives. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because you need to be exact about where you're cutting. Well, on this night, I wasn't exact enough. 
I didn't realize that the edge of my left index finger was a little bit hanging over the metal ruler. And when I went straight down that straight edge with that blade, sure enough, I cut the edge of my index finger. Cut off a little piece of flesh right there on the inside edge of my index finger. I didn't completely sever it, but it was just barely hanging on. And of course, it's bleeding. So I'm grabbing paper towels and trying to stop the bleeding. And it didn't take long until our editor found out that someone was bleeding on his newspaper. So he showed up really quickly and he said, I'm taking you to the ER. Let's go. And I'm thinking, oh man, I've seen the movies. I know we need to pack this thing on ice and bring a cooler and we got to preserve this thing so the doctor can put it back on my finger. And he said, I think they'll just put a few stitches in it. You'll be fine. So we went to the doctor, went to the ER, and yep, that's exactly what happened. The doctor put stitches in this little piece of flesh on the side of my index finger. More stitches than I thought were necessary. But he stitched it all up, and then when, it was, when he was finished, he said, Well, I put it back on there. It will either grow back or it won't. <laughs> That was his message to me. It'll either grow back or it won't. Thankfully, it did grow back. Now, for several months, maybe even a couple of years, it was a little bit discolored, a little bit of nerve damage, but now I look at it and I can't even tell. You may not know this, but my high school years were a few days ago, quite a while ago. So now I can't even tell that I cut that edge of my finger off. I think about that, and I think, isn't it amazing that doctors can reassemble, they can reattach bits and pieces and body parts to our bodies? It's amazing that they can do that. Now, of course, Jesus, you know, took a guy's ear and put it back on in the moment. Doctors can't do that, but they can do something called microsurgery. This is phenomenal. They use magnification, and they use tiny instruments to fuse together the nerve endings, the blood vessels. If you lose a hand or a foot or an arm, you lose a limb, there's a chance, there's a chance that they can reattach that to your body using this microsurgery. That's just amazing to me that they're able to do that. I was doing a little bit of research on that and sort of went down a rabbit hole, you know how that goes, and I, I found a, a list of steps to take to preserve the severed limb. I know you didn't expect that this morning, but... And it was listed on WikiHow, so I know it's, it's probably reliable. But one of the steps had this disclaimer. It said, reattachment of a severed limb is more likely when the injury occurred via a clean cut, such as that of an industrial sharp, an, a sharp industrial blade or a guillotine. I had so many questions. Is it so common to get cut on a guillotine that they had to cite that as an example? <laughs> Was this written in the Middle Ages? I don't know. Maybe they're targeting overzealous magicians. I'm not sure why that was listed there. But I'm thinking, I know what a guillotine is for. And if you get your head cut off, I don't think they're going to be able to put that back on. Maybe they can, I don't know, but I have my doubts. But when you think about reattaching a limb to a body that is remarkable that that's even a possibility because logic says that the severed limb on its own will die the life will literally drain out of it as the blood drains out of it and on it on its own it will die 
but in the skilled hands of a knowledgeable, experienced surgeon, with the right conditions, he or she can reattach that body part to one's body. That is remarkable. Maybe you can already see where this is going as we think about being connected to Christ. And maybe this morning you're here and you need to hear this message. You need to hear that reattachment and re-engagement and renewal are possible. Not because you've lost a limb, but because spiritually, in a way, you are a lost limb. You have been separated from Christ. You have removed yourself from connection with Jesus or connection to his church. And you know what it's like to be on the outside looking in. You know what it's like to feel distant from God, to feel alienated from Jesus and from the will of God. Or maybe this applies to someone you know, someone that you pray about often, someone you're concerned about, and you need a word to tell them. You need a message of hope to share with them. Keep listening today. You see, because in the hands, the skilled hands of the knowledgeable and experienced great physician, he can reattach you to the body. He can bring renewal to your life. He can put life back in you. You see, that's God's desire that you are connected to the source of life. And it was Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one can be connected to the Father if they aren't connected to me. And God's desire is that you are connected not just to each other, but to him through Jesus, the true vine. And so we go to John 15, and we remember Jesus' words, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus says, life is found on the vine. As you are connected to Jesus, the source of life, through his spirit, that life flows through you, from you, that ultimately bears fruit in your life, fruit of the spirit, fruit that lasts, fruit that matters. But what happens when we let go of our connection to Jesus? What happens when we pull away from Jesus? What happens when we allow something to disconnect us from Jesus? Well, we go from being branches to being sticks. I brought an object lesson, lesson, a visual for you in case you forgot what a stick looks like. This reminds me of one of my favorite dad jokes. What's brown and sticky? A stick. <laughs> dad, you can use that one. This is what happens when we allow ourselves to be disconnected from our source of life, and that is Jesus. You see, a branch is connected. A branch has life flowing through it. A branch is vibrant. It is growing. It is developing, and it bears fruit. Whether that fruit be literal fruit or leaves, it is active. It is working. It is productive. But a stick, on the other hand, is severed from a tree. A stick is all by itself. A stick is dying. The life is coming out of a stick. If it has leaves on it, those leaves are going to get dry and they are going to ultimately fall away. And all you have left is a dead 
stick. And what does Jesus say these sticks are good for? He says basically someone's going to come by and pick them up and they're going to throw them into the fire. They're going to be burned. That's best case scenario for this stick. And so this morning I want you to think about your connection to Christ. How strong is your connection to Christ? Are you a branch or are you a stick? It's hard to admit that we're sticks, but the truth is sometimes we allow ourselves to be separate from Jesus. We pull away from Jesus or we let the circumstances of our lives pull us away from Jesus. And there are so many things that separate us, so many things that become obstacles, barriers in our connection to Christ and to his people, to the vine and to the other branches. And behind all of those things is Satan. Because as much as God wants you to be connected to Jesus and connected to each other through Jesus, Satan wants to pull you away. He wants you to think that you can live life on your own. That that's your best life. Doing your own thing, being independent, living your own truth, finding your own way. And that's what we believe so many times. And so how strong is your connection? Because we allow these things to pull us away. And sometimes, for some of us, it's ongoing sin and addiction. And it's the guilt that so often rides shotgun with our sin. We can't get over it. We can't get by it. We can't power through it. And that sin becomes a barrier. And that guilt becomes a barrier between us and Jesus. For others of us, it's fear and anxiety. We live in constant fear we're afraid of what's going to happen. We have anxiety about certain situations and certain things, and we worry. And that fear begins to deplete our faith. Jesus says, trust in me. And we say, no, that sounds good, Jesus, but I'm afraid. And we fail to live in the freedom that Jesus provides because we're living in fear. For some of us, it's just that we get distracted so easily. Our hearts want to be connected to Jesus. We don't want to be a dry, dying stick. We want to be a vibrant, growing branch, bearing fruit. But there's so many other things out there that look so attractive. There's so many imitation vines that promise true life and purpose. And all the things we're looking for are happiness. And so we pull away from Jesus and we pursue those things. We get so distracted. And for many of us, it's... It's loss. It's suffering. It's things that happen that we didn't plan for. Things that happen that turn our world upside down. Things that we go through that we don't have a theology for. We don't have a theology for suffering. That doesn't fit in my God box. I don't know what to do with this. And so what do we do? A good God wouldn't let me do that. Wouldn't let me go through that. Wouldn't let that happen. And so we pull away from him. You see, there are a lot of things that compromise our connection to Christ. And so many times, it's those storms in life, isn't it? It's those storms in life that either push us away or allow us to find a different path away from Jesus. Those storms can so often cause a branch to be a stick. You see, that's what storms do. They have a way of making branches into sticks. You know that's true. You remember a few years ago, I think, it was, I think it was the fall of 2019, that big ice storm. If you were here, you may remember that storm. I remember being inside 
and hearing as the ice was blanketing all the trees, you could hear the branches popping and cracking. Do you remember that? And, and so often the, the weight would get so heavy on these branches that finally they would, they would splinter off and they would come crashing to the ground. And so this was multiplying all over town. You could just hear these trees coming apart, exploding almost, all these branches falling down. It was crazy. And in the days and in the weeks and in the months to follow, you would drive around town, and what would you see everywhere? On the curb, in front of people's houses, these huge piles of sticks and, and broken branches and, and limbs that they had cut off, and they'd pile them up waiting for someone to come by and pick them up and haul them off. You see, that's what we do with sticks. Jesus says, you know what's going to happen to those sticks? They're going to be picked up. They're going to be thrown into the fire. They're going to be burned. They're going to be tossed away. And so how is your connection to Christ? Spiritually, if you feel more like a stick than you do a branch, then there's something that you need to hear this morning. There's a message about God, the God that we serve, that you need to hear this morning. And maybe, again, this is the message you need to share with someone you know who is distant from Jesus. So turn over to Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, we see Paul making this case for grace and faith when it comes to our salvation, as opposed to works and the law. And Paul holds up Abraham, the Old Testament patriarch. Abraham was pre-law. That wasn't his major in college. That's when he existed. He was pre-law. And God told him in the early chapters of Genesis that I am making a promise to you, a covenant with you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I have plans for you, Abraham. And Abraham, in many respects, is the father of all of us spiritually. But for him to believe that promise, it took faith. And in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, we see this wonderful, impactful phrase. Look at verse 18. Against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be Highlight that phrase, underline that phrase, against all hope, Abraham in hope. How do you find hope when there is no hope? When the situation, when your circumstances, when your life, when the news you get seems hopeless, where in the world do you find hope? How do you hope against hope? Well, Abraham was told by God that he would be this blessing to all nations, that he would be a father to many nations, which seemed doubtful because at the time he wasn't a father to anyone. He and his wife Sarah were childless, and they weren't getting any younger. But when God says he's going to do something, you know God is going to do it. So back in Romans chapter 4, Paul explains about Abraham, and I want you to notice as he's holding up Abraham as this example of faithfulness, of trust, Notice how he uses this word dead and the contrast that comes from that which is dead to that which becomes alive. Verse 19, without weakening in his faith, talking about Abraham, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. 
Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him as righteousness were written for him not alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That's an important word there, dead. It shows up two or three times, doesn't it? Abraham is called dead. Sarah is called dead. They're not literally dead. In fact, Abraham might say, hey, I'm not dead yet. But as far as giving birth, as far as that window of, of having babies, well, that pretty much had closed from all human logic, right? Abraham was 99 years old. Sarah was 89 years old. Not exactly the prime of life for having children. If there were any diapers in their house, they weren't for babies, if you know what I mean. And yet, God said it's going to happen. So what did Abraham do? He hoped against hope. Not hope in the sense of, okay, keep your fingers crossed or wish upon a star. No, hope that is anchored in the word of God, in the promises of God. If God said it, it's going to happen. So Abraham hoped against hope. Listen, right now, if hope seems hard for you to find, if you're in short supply of hope these days, if life hasn't gone like you thought it would, if you feel distant from Jesus and from his church, if the shadows around you seem to be growing and the light seems to be fading, you need to know this. There is always hope with God. There is always hope with God. Nobody's story is finished until God has the final word. There is always hope with God. But I want you to look at that word, with. The hope is with him. You can't be fighting against him. You can't be pulling away from him. Because separated from Jesus, you will look for hope in other places. In places the world said can provide hope. And you know what? You will not find it. That's why Jesus continually said, remain in me, abide with me, make yourself at home with me, stay connected to me. You see, the life of a stick, that is a hopeless life. You need to be a branch that is connected to the source of life, the vine, because that's where the life of the Spirit flows through you. That's where you find purpose and peace. That's where true hope is found. That's where you have a life that is productive in the things that matter most, fruit that lasts, fruit of the Spirit. How is that possible? How can a, a, a dead stick become alive again? How can a stick that really just deserves to be picked up and thrown into the fire somehow bear fruit again? Where can hope be found? Look at verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Well, who is this God? Tell me about this God. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. How does he describe God? God is the God who gives life 
to death and calls into being, that word means summons, who calls into being, who summons things that are when they were not. You see, that's the God of creation, the God who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. From nothing, he created everything. The God of creation, that is the God of the resurrection, the God who rolls stones away, the God who restarts hearts, who breathes into people's lungs, the God who raised Jesus back to life, the God who will raise you and me to eternal life someday, the God of the resurrection. But it's also the God of innovation, the God who is about renewing, about creating in you a new creation, the God who is making everything new. He is the God of the living, the God of life. That is God. And so a dead or dying stick in the hands of this God can become a living branch that bears fruit, that grows, that produces. You know, sometimes a gardener can take a separated branch and, and put it back into the tree or back into the vine. It's called grafting. And I haven't done this process, but, but you and I both know it's possible. We've heard about it, and maybe you've done it. But you know, to do that, it takes some cutting away on the branch that is separate, on the limb that is separate. You have to cut some things away and get down to the inside. That sounds right in our lives, right? And then you also have to make a cut on the vine or on the tree, and you insert that separated limb, that separated branch, back into the source of life. And you adhere it there, and you connect it there. And before long, if the conditions are right, that spot will begin to heal. There will be healing there. And as it heals, the, the blood, it's not really blood, maybe sap, the life force flows from the source of life to this branch that is now attached, that is now connected. And as that life flows from the source to this reattached branch, it begins to bear fruit. It begins to grow. It becomes productive. The life of a branch. And so the message this morning for you, or maybe someone you know, is that God can graft you back on the vine. God can reattach you to the body. It doesn't make sense to us. We think it's hopeless. We think it won't. We think sometimes it won't work, and yet in the hands of the great physician, the skilled hands, the knowledgeable, sovereign God. He can take the sticks that are dead and dying and graft them back onto the vine where there is life, where there is the spirit, where there is growth, where there is productivity. Paul actually uses this language in Romans a few chapters later. I think in chapter 11, he talks about the Gentiles being grafted into the kingdom of God. And those Jews who haven't separated themselves, Israel who hasn't separated itself, they're grafted into the family of God, into the body, if you will, into the vine. You see, God has already done it. And God can do that for you. He can do that in your life. He can reconnect you. He can bring renewal of purpose and hope and peace to your life. He can bring forgiveness of that sin. He can replace that fear 
of faith. God is able to do that. But you have to be willing. You have to desire that. Because so often what we desire is what we want. And we want independence. We want to do our own thing. Make our own way. Live our own truth. We want to find the good things this world offers. Because we think that is the source of happiness. And fulfillment. And meaning. And it's almost like if I went out in my backyard and I dug a hole. Maybe I dug a hole a couple of feet deep. And I took this stick and I stuck it in that hole and I filled the dirt back in. And this stick was sticking straight up from the soil. And then I got a chair. I got my lawn chair. And I set it up and I sat in that chair and I was waiting. I was just waiting for this tree to grow to provide a canopy of shade that would comfort me. So I'm just going to wait. No, it's going to happen. I'll, I'll just wait right here. People would come by and say, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. I don't think that's going to work. No, no, it's, it's fine. I, I'm, I know this is going to work. This is my truth. This is what the world says that ultimately I can find what I'm looking for right here. It, it will grow. It'll happen. It's going to provide shade. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to feel good. It's going to make me happy. Well, you and I both know that's not going to happen. Why is this stick not going to grow if I bury it in the ground? Because there's no roots. There's no source of life. There's no nourishment. There's nothing. None of the things that it needs to grow. And yet in God's hands, he can take even a dead or dying stick and very carefully graft it back onto the vine. Back onto the vine where there is life. Where there is growth. Where it can bear fruit. So as you consider your connection to Christ this morning, maybe you are tired of being lifeless and fruitless and hopeless. And if you feel that way, you need a source of life. You need to come back to Jesus. You know, all doctors agree, going back to reattaching limbs, all doctors agree that there is one element, one variable that is so extremely important, and that is time. If you're going to successfully reattach a limb to a body, the sooner you can get to it, the sooner you can make it happen, the better your chances. I, I think the same is true for us spiritually. Time is so important. And we don't know how much time we have left. And the longer we wait, the longer we delay, the more difficult it becomes. Because the conditions continue to worsen. And we don't see it. We don't know it. In fact, sometimes we think they're getting better. But the truth is, the longer we wait, the more we live independent from Jesus, the harder it is to get reattached. Not impossible by any means, but certainly more difficult. So if you find yourself feeling separated from Jesus, if it feels to you that God is distant, if you've allowed some of those things we talked about to become a barrier in your connection to Christ and to his people, the church, then don't wait any longer. It's time to come back like that prodigal son, to come back because you have a father waiting 
waiting to embrace you, to graft you back into the vine, to reattach you to the body, to give you life. Don't wait any longer. If that means asking for prayers, if that means confessing sin, please do that. Take that next step, whatever that is. We as a church family want to support you in that, want to help you, want to walk alongside you. So maybe that means coming down here and confessing or asking for prayers. Or maybe that means seeing our shepherds who care deeply for you. In just a moment, a couple of them and their wives will be in a parlor, a room off this hallway behind me. You can exit out these doors, go around. They would love to pray for you and encourage you. Maybe for you it means I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ. I want life on the vine because that's where life is That's what I'm looking for. That's what I need. That's the life you were created to live. And so you're ready to confess your faith that Jesus is Lord. You're ready to be baptized into Christ, clothed with Christ. Do that today. If we can help you, we invite you to come as we stand and sing. Let's stand together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Will you bow with me? <clears throat> Our most gracious God and Father in heaven, we are grateful once again for the opportunity that we have been here this morning to continually thank you for the opportunity to be part of the vine. Father, we thank you for Jesus, for his example, for his love, for his obedience. We pray that each and every one of us are branches that are fruitful. And Father, we realize that there are times when we do get damaged, we get broken. But it is these roots that we have, this love that we have, this forgiveness that Jesus gave us, this hope that you've constantly reminded us of that lets us know that we can become fruitful again. We thank you for this church who has established the opportunity for each and every one of us to be a part of a strong and healthy tree. Father, we're thankful for the opportunities that come our way each and every day in this city, in this state, and in this country. And Father, now we do ask you for special prayers, for special guidance for the leaders of our countries in this country that we live in this world that we live. We know that we are the, the small, the, the few, but Father, we know that we are the powerful through your grace and your mercy, through Jesus who walked this earth and shown us, has shown us the way that we can live, we can be strong, that we can plant more trees, more vines. Father, we thank you for all that you do in this congregation for the love that's shown to its members and the forgiveness and mercy that comes through you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 